welcome to the Once Again Podcast. We are your hosts, Ashley and Jason. In this episode, we will be looking at the 2005 film, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. In this series, we won't be doing a deep analysis of the film, or giving a bunch of behind-the-scenes facts, but rather giving our impressions of the overall film, and giving a score to the film. Ashley, this is where the fun begins, so grab some popcorn. <laughs> sit- <laughs> This is where Aunt Jason just shits on this movie for the next hour. <laughs> I actually, I actually like this one the most out of all the prequels, but we'll 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 get into that. But uh, this is where the fun begins. So grab some popcorn, sit back, and enjoy this episode. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Oh. I also just want to preface that uh, I'm getting over a slight cold, so while I'll probably be able to edit out me coughing, uh, I, there may be some sounds of me unwrapping cough drops in the background and i apologize for that um he has a little mountain of them next to him yes um but star wars episode three revenge of the sith is a 2005 american epic space opera film written and directed by george lucas the sequel to the phantom menace 1999 and attack of the clones 2002 it is the sixth film in the star wars film series the final installment in the star wars prequel trilogy and the third chronological chapter of the Skywalker Saga. Lucas began writing the script before production of Attack of the Clones ended, citing that he wanted the end of the trilogy to have similar aspects to a romantic tragedy, thus building into Darth Vader's state at the beginning of the next film. Production of Revenge of the Sith started in September 2003, and filming took place in Australia, with additional locations in Thailand, Switzerland, China, Italy, and the United Kingdom. Revenge of the Sith premiered May 15, 2005 at the Cannes Film Festival, then released worldwide on May 19, 2005. The film received positive reviews and has been deemed an improvement over the first two prequel films by many, with praise for its action sequences, mature themes, score, visual effects, darker tone, and the performances of uh, McGregor, McDermott, Oz, and Jimmy Smith, which I don't know why they just put Jimmy Smith, (laughs) Smith, I guess. Criticisms largely focused on the film's dialogue and aspects of Christensen's performance. It broke several box office records during its opening week and went on to earn over $868 million worldwide, making it the second highest grossing film in the Star Wars franchise at that time. It was the highest grossing film in the U.S. and the second highest grossing film worldwide in 2005. The film also holds the record for the highest opening day gross on th- on a Thursday, uh, making $50 million. It is the second Star Wars film which used a high-definition digital 24-frame system for most of the movie's live-action scenes. Uh, the film was released in, blue- in the Blu-ray format in September of 2011. 2011. On November 12, 2019, the film was included with the launch of Disney+. Plus. The budget for the film was $113 million, or $167.3 million today. The box office was $868.4 million, or $1.285 billion today. It was produced by Rick McCollum, edited by Roger uh, Barton and Ben Burt, the music is by John Williams, and the cinematography was by David Tattersall. The production company is Lucas Films, LDT, 
It was distributed by 20th Century Fox and has a runtime of 140 minutes. The film stars Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi, Natalie Portman as Padme Amidala, Hayden Christensen as Anakin Skywalker, Ian McDermott as Supreme Chancellor Palpatine, Frank Oz as the voice of Yoda, Matthew Wood as the voice of General Grievous, Jimmy Smiths as Senator Bail Organa, Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca, Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks, Oliver Ford Davies as C.O. Bibble, which I, oh, I remember who that is right now. I was about to say, I don't remember who that is, but it just came to me. Tamora Morrison as Commander Cody and the other clone troopers, which that guy, you know, I, I don't think he realized how sweet of a Star Wars deal he was getting because he just keeps popping up in uh, new stuff now. Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. Uh, Silas Carson as Ki Ahmed Mundi and Newt Gunray. Kenny Baker as R2-D2. Samuel L. Jackson as Mace Windu. And Christopher Lee as Count Dooku. And I included some people on this list because... Uh, you know, you criticized me not including Watto last time, so I, I threw some more on this list. Good. Yeah. So let's dive into the plot. War. The Republic is crumbling under attacks by the ruthless Sith, Sith Lord, Count Dooku. There are heroes on both sides. Evil is everywhere. In a stunning move, the fiendish droid leader, General Grievous, has swept into the Republic capital and kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, leader of the Galactic Senate. As the Separatist droid army attempts to flee the besieged capital with their valuable hostage, two Jedi Knights lead a desperate mission to rescue the captive Chancellor. Uh, I actually thought about reading that one. It, you know how um, the Clone Wars series had that guy in every opening thing? I actually thought about reading it, <laughs> like, kind, kind of oh like God. he does, like, War! <laughs> the, War Repu the Republic is like, crumbling under... <laughs> like like yeah. it's a newscast, basically. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although this part would be better. Above Coruscant, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, you try it with your cough. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, as I'm chewing on, on a, a <clears throat> cough drop at the same time. Above Coruscant, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker lead a, mis a mission to rescue the kidnapped Supreme Chancellor Palpatine from the cyborg Separatist Commander General Grievous. So my first note I wrote here was this is such a cool way to start a Star Wars movie. We generally always start with ships in space, but never in an all-out battle like this one. And then I had a small note that the no longer canonical 2003 series, Star Wars Clone Wars, covers the time period between episodes 2 and 3. And this introduced General Grievous, and the last episode of that series actually started with the beginning of this battle over Coruscant. Is it really no longer canonical? I thought it was still in canon. Nope. Gone. Um, I think even <laughs> I think even before Disney bought it, it was no longer canonical because they made uh, some changes in between before Disney bought it and everything. But it introduced General Grievous because when I went to go see this movie for the first time, I had no idea who this coughing droid was. <laughs> like I was like I was like, oh, it's a droid that coughs. And then like you, we see later on, he has organs and stuff. And it was like, what is this? But um, it, it's evidently supposed to be foreshadowing what's going to happen to Anakin, that, like, General Grievous is this cyborg man and everything that people are afraid of and stuff. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't do the uh, summer reading of uh, the Clone Wars, or Star Wars, the Clone Wars series in between the films. You know, so, I, I will say, too, you're right that it's a good way to start. Mm -hmm. I forgot that this movie started that way, and 
I like that. You know? Yeah. Well, you get a big battle. It's you know we start with the action instead of kind of starting with like really simple like people talking, which mm-hmm. is generally how Star Wars starts out. This is where the fun begins. Like this is how it starts off. Um, and I also have a note here saying that as the clone ships are being destroyed, Anakin says, "I'm going to help them." To which Obi Wan says, "No, they're doing their job. Let's do ours." And I wrote, so the clones' jobs are to just die? That's not cool, Ben. However, he does tell Anakin to go on with the uh, the mission when his ship is being attacked, so maybe he was solely focused on rescuing the Chancellor. Right, but I I suppose there's also a knowledge that, like, they're just clones, basically. That's that's kind of... Like, I I hate to say it that way, but, like, that's probably also a... The, like, pervading thought of people, like, they're just clones, let them die. Yeah. If we had never gotten uh, the Clone Wars series, that we the CGI one that we later got, I think that would have been most people's attitudes towards the clones. Like, it's really that that fleshes them out and makes them characters. You know, we get more about Commander Cody and the 501st and everything. But yeah, this is, uh, they are, at this point, they are just clones. Like, they're just, they're, they're the equivalent to the droids. Like, it doesn't matter if they die or not. But after infiltrating Grievous's flagship, Anakin and Obi-Wan make their way through the ship, fighting through an army of droids. Meanwhile, R2-D2 aids them from the hangar bay while simultaneously incinerating a pair of super battle droids using fuel and his thrusters. Little badass R2. <laughs> you know. R2 is the real hero oh, of, of every, every, the, every, the entire every saga. Yeah, I mean, really, yeah. this should be the R2-D2 saga, not the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I would like to see, like... A fan edit. I'm sure this probably already exists, but I would love to see a fan edit of R2-D2's thoughts throughout the movies. Like Luke closing his eyes to destroy the Death Star and R2 being like, well, I guess I'll coordinate the shot to work then. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll use the computer system. Um, <laughs> like, R2-D2 actually blew up the Death Star. Like, just all throughout it. I would love to see a fan edit of R2-D2 being the real hero of the series like he is. And then I had... A mistake that the Phantom Menace made that uh, George would later correct is that Anakin built C-3PO. He should have built R2. That would have explained R2's attitude, and putting R2 with Anakin and C-3PO with Padme just makes more sense, like how they are in this movie. Like, you know, Padme is a senator, or before she was a queen of her planet, she should have an interpreter droid with her, and R2 should have been with Anakin. Like, he could have helped them build things working for Watto and everything like that. It would have made more sense to have them together. I have seen some fans give some dark theories behind why uh, Shmi Skywalker needed C-3PO. Because um, fans assume that uh, Shmi Skywalker is Watto's sex slave. Like, mm. whenever he's doing a business deal with some alien or whatever, Shmi Skywalker's part of the deal. Because it's like, what does he need her for? Otherwise, like... Anakin builds things and fix things and is this little pod racing machine. Um, but what does he need Shmi for? So some people have theorized that she was a sex slave. So Anakin built C-3PO for his mom so that she communi- could communicate with the aliens that are doing these horrible things to her. So I don't know. That's not canonical. That's just a fan theory. But um, I, I do like the idea of if uh, Anakin had built... R2, that would explain his attitude and everything, like, why he doesn't listen to people and stuff, because he would have gotten Anakin's personality in him, but, eh, whatever. It is what it is. Obi-Wan and Anakin battle the Sith Lord Count Dooku, during which Obi-Wan is rendered unconscious. 
Anakin continues the battle and is repeat is repeatedly taunted by Dooku. Using his anger, Anakin taps into the dark side of the Force and gets the better of the duel. And this is the scene that I mentioned in a previous uh, episode where Dooku would have revealed that he hired the Tusken Raiders to kidnap Shmi Skywalker. It was just a plot line that George decided to cut from the film, but it would have put a tie between them that I think would have worked. But whatever, it is what it is. And then Anakin severs both of Dooku's hands, rendering him incapable of defending himself, and then holds him at blade point with both his own lightsaber and Dooku's weapon. Palpatine encourages Anakin to kill Dooku, much to the shock of Dooku, who looks at the chan Chancellor pleadingly, only to be met with a sinister smile from Palpatine. At first, Anakin hesitates, but Palpatine, Palpatine firmly insists. Completely unaware of Palpatine's true intentions, Anakin viciously decapitates the helpless Dooku. Grievous escapes from the battle-torn ship, which the Jedi crash land on Coruscant. I don't know if you want to talk about these scenes anymore, or like go any more in-depth to them, or just keep moving on. Um, like the int introduction of Dooku or anything. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll just... I feel like there's not much. Yeah. It is cool how they crash land the ship on Coruscant and everything. That is but cool. But... Afterward, Anakin reunites with his wife, Padme Amidala, who reveals that she is pregnant. While initially ex excited, Anakin soon begins to have visions of Padme dying in childbirth. And I have here that Padme says th that the Queen will no longer allow her to serve as a senator after having their baby. And if the Jedi Council founds, finds out that Anakin is the father, he'll be kicked out of the Order. To which I wrote, what the hell? Like, so having a baby in the Star Wars universe means you can't be a senator anymore? I, I get Anakin getting kicked out of the Order, though I think that's stupid as well. But why can't Padme continue to be a senator? So I have a thought here. Is it really just that, like, it's because... Or is the Queen also thinking in terms of, like, she's having a Jedi's baby and the Queen doesn't want to support... That as well. I, I have no idea. Like, I guess I guess maybe she meant, like, if the scandal comes out about me having... That's what I was yeah. thinking. Because, okay. like, why would somebody agree to have that kind of scandal? Yeah, fair enough. I say, like, we don't live in the United States where we don't care about scandals here. But, you know. I, I honestly don't know if we have any... I don't think we have any single senator, female senators that have children. But I could imagine in 2022 that we could oh it's definitely possible i yeah. just i i almost i kind of understand why the queen wouldn't want to like the jedi are such a like high order of like i don't think it would look good on her to be like and yes this is my senator yeah who got a baby from a jedi yeah. who aren't even supposed to be doing don't this tell thing. anyone <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you're probably right um palpatine appoints anakin to the jedi council as his personal representative the council suspicious of palpatine approves the appointment, but declines to grant Anakin the rank of Jedi Master, and instead instructs him to spy on Palpatine, diminishing Anakin's faith in the Jedi. And I wrote down, so it's no secret and has been talked to death by others already, but George Lucas was trying to convey a message about the Bush administration post 9-11 with Palpatine, uh, with the Palpatine plot. I think he does this fairly well, but it's a shame that he only had this last movie to do it. It sort of complicates the plot. He has to wrap up the prequels, set up the originals, and convey his political message. Like, it's it's a lot to do in one movie. Um, if he hadn't committed to having them being, you know, episode one, two, and three, and had yeah. more time, he could have done that. But it is what it is. 
And I also wrote, secondly, what the hell, what the hell, Jedi Council? Just make Anakin a master. He's the most powerful of all of you, and he's a war hero. Just make him a master. And I found out in doing research for this film that there was a deleted plot line that the Council already knew about Anakin and Padme, and that's why they didn't make him a master. And I think that should have been left in the film. As it is, there's no reason not to make him a master. Yeah, that would make sense. The thing I also think about this is, like, Palpatine can just come in and, like, be like, you, you're on the council now. Yeah. Okay, bye. Like, yeah, it's it's a very weird situation between the Jedi and, and Palpatine in this film, to say the least. Uh, from the very beginning, and it only gets worse going forward. Oh, yeah. When Padme asks Anakin to talk to the Chancellor about ending the war and allowing diplomacy to resume, uh, it was a small part of a deleted storyline for her in this movie. There, uh, there were scenes shot but removed from the movie where she meets with Bail Organa and Mon Mothma about forming a quote-unquote rebel alliance against the Chancellor. Like, they were going to have it that uh, Padme formed the Rebel Alliance, or was the beginning founding member of the Rebel Alliance, whatever you want to say. Oh, that would have been so nice. Yeah, evidently, I don't know how true this is. It was just something that I saw when researching for this, but evidently, at this time period, Natalie Portman was very difficult to work with. Mm. um, And she had been in the previous two films as well. So they really reduced her role in this movie because she had been very difficult to work with i don't know how true that is but she was also a child star so you know who know, who knows she could have been very difficult to work with I, I i don't know if it's true or not but also you mentioned in the previous episode uh not the previous episode yeah no the previous episode that um padme should have been the one to make um instead to grant the uh, Palpatine the additional powers that they gave him in episode two yes and I was thinking about that I'm like that actually would have been so cool because then her daughter Leia is fighting against the guy that her mother put in Pat like yeah. it, it could have you know it could have been like George says poetry it rhymes um but it yeah it, it is what it again, is again a weird choice yeah now I'm not sure I'm going to say this planet correctly but meanwhile on Uta Ut- <sighs> Utapu, Grievous relocates the Separatist leaders to the volcanic planet of Mustafar. Yoda travels to the Wookiee homeworld of Kashyyyk to defend it from the Separatist invasion. At the galaxy's opera house, Anakin joins Palpatine in watching the Mon Calamari aquatic ballet performing Squid Squid Lake. That was the name of it. it. It was in the summary and everything. The Star Wars, everything has a name. Palpatine tells Anakin, Clone Intelligence has located General Grievous hiding in the... Oh, here we go again. Utopar. Hmm. Utapol. Whatever. They found him hiding somewhere. (laughs) And Anakin is delighted by this news as Grievous' capture will accelerate the, the war's end. Palpatine remarks that he questioned the competence of the Jedi Council if Anakin was not sent on would not be sent on the mission inviting anakin to join him palpatine dismisses his aides once they are gone palpatine seduces anakin to the dark side he also tells anakin that the jedi order wishes to overthrow the republic and that if he has suspected it anakin must have surely sensed it anakin confirms that the jedi don't trust him a fact that palpatine expands to include the senate the republic and democracy as a whole Anakin tells Palpatine that his trust in the Jedi has been shaken, 
and Palpatine deduces Anakin's distaste for the Council's mission to spy on the Chancellor. Palpatine takes Anakin back to back to some of the early political lessons Palpatine tried to teach him, and how all those who gain power are afraid to lose it, and that includes the Jedi. Anakin tries to defend the Jedi by saying that they use their power for good, but Palpatine argues that good is only a point of view. A certain point of view, you might say. <laughs> Noting... No! No, okay. Noting that in almost every conceivable manner, including a quest for greater power, the Sith and the Jedi are exactly alike. Anakin disagrees, remarking that the Sith depend on their passion for strength, thinking only of themselves, whereas the Jedi are selfless, thinking only of others. After a brief pause in their conversation, Palpatine makes a good remark uh, about the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. He describes Darth Plagueis as a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and wise that he could use the Force to influence the Metachlorians to create life. Metachlorians, yeah. they have returned! <laughs> Not only this, but having such power and knowledge of the dark side, Plagueis could use this ability to save people he cared for, uh, he cared about from death. A statement which gets Anakin's attention. And Palpatine describes <laughs> the dark side of the Force as a pathway to many abilities some would consider to be unnatural. When Anakin asks what happened to Darth Plagueis, Palpatine concludes that Plagueis became so powerful... <clears throat> I'm not going to keep doing it, my throat won't let me. But uh, he became so powerful that all he feared was losing his power, which he eventually did. Unfortunately for Plagueis, he taught his apprentice, who happened to be Darth Sidious, all that he knew. And uh, after he had... His apprentice killed him in his sleep. Palpatine notes the irony of how Plagueis could keep others from dying, but not himself. When Anakin asks him if it is possible to learn the power to stop death, Palpatine simply replies, Note from a Jedi, further alienating Anakin from the Jedi Order. And my only note for this scene is that Ian McDiarmid is so perfect as Palpatine. Oh yeah, it's such a good scene. <laughs> yeah, it really is. After Yoda arrives on Kashyyyk, Anakin re uh, relays the information about Grievous. Yoda says that they should act quickly and decisively on this information. When Anakin expresses his interest in going at Palpatine's request, Mace Windu harshly tells him that the Council will decide who goes and not the Chancellor. Yoda believes that a master with more experience is needed to confront and defeat Grievous. Ah, here we go. Ki Adi Mundi agrees and nominates Obi-Wan to go. That's the Jedi with the really big head, in case yeah. uh, anyone's one. And I'm mispronouncing his name because I can't remember how it's actually said, but it's the Jedi with the really big head. Um, you know, the one that's interested in the battles for the Wookiees and that meme and everything from 10 years ago. Uh, but he agrees and he nominates Obi-Wan to go. With the nomination agreed upon, the council adjourns and Obi-Wan prepares uh, to capture Grievous. Anakin walks Obi-Wan to his Star Destroyer before he leaves. Anakin still believes that he needs to go with Obi-Wan, and while Obi-Wan agrees, he also notes that it might just be a wild bantha chase. Anakin stops Obi-Wan and tells him that he knows he's disappointed Obi-Wan, and that he's not been acting very grateful for the training that he received. Anakin tells him that he's just so frustrated with the Council lately, but that he does apologize. Obi-Wan calls Anakin strong and wise and tells Anakin that he is very proud of him 
and while Obi-Wan trained him since he was a boy, he, he calls Anakin a far greater Jedi than Obi-Wan could hope to be. But Obi-Wan encourages Anakin to be patient, and that it won't be long before the Council makes Anakin a Jedi Master. The two bid each other for farewell, and Obi-Wan leaves. So, there's a deleted plot where Obi-Wan convinced the Council to grant Anakin the rank of Jedi Master upon the conclusion of the war. And I also believe that this should have been left in the movie because it would have made Anakin's story all the more tragic. I agree. Um, I feel like they consistently take things out from Anakin and Padme's stories in particular, and it's like, no, these are the things that would have made them more tragic and more interesting, like, couple yeah. that would have added to these movies and made them better. Yeah, agreed. And like I said, the, one of the problems with George's political message in this movie is that it, it, it made everything rushed. It took away from other things that he could have done, but he had to put the message out that he wanted. Um, a message I wholeheartedly agree with. I have many criticisms of the Bush administration, but that's for another time and place to talk about. <laughs> Obi-Wan arrives on, here we go again, Utapura, Utapara, yeah, whatever it is, you know the planet, and begins, <laughs> and, begin, <laughs> and begins his search for General Grievous, riding a redactyl named Boga. He finds Grievous on the 10th level, after Obi-Wan uh, dispatches the droids around Grievous, the two engage in single combat. And my only note for this scene is, hello there. Which I'm we... going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No, uh, we've, got to, we've got to get that in, in the Obi-Wan series at some point. He's got to say it to someone. There's no way they're not going to use that. Oh, they better. Yeah. If they don't, disappoint. Yeah. Grievous's arms split in half, allowing him to use four lightsabers at once. Obi-Wan quickly cuts off the lower halves of Grievous's hands, helping to even the odds a little. And during the battle, the third system army arrives under the command of CC-2224, Commander Cody. Obi-Wan manages to catch Grievous off guard and uses the force to push the fiend, the fiend destroyed general into the ceiling. Grievous drops his uh, remaining two lightsabers and attempts to flee on a wheel bike while Obi-Wan pursues him on uh, Boga. During the chase, Obi-Wan drops his lightsaber, which Commander Cody happens to find during the massive battle against the droids. On Coruscant, Anakin tells Palpatine that General Grievous has been found. Anakin insists that he should have gone with Obi-Wan as well. Their conversation shifts to Palpatine's knowledge of the Force and the Dark Side, both of which he learned from his mentor. Much to the shock of Anakin, who has become wary of the Chancellor. And I have a note here saying, um, there's these two giant urns in Palpatine's office when Anakin comes in. Mm -hmm. And those, those two giant urns actually contain, well, I don't know if this is still canonical, I think it is, but they had the remains of Darth Plagueis' body mm. in it. Like, that was, like, Pal it was Palpatine's trophy. It's like, he's like, oh, I killed my master, and I'm going to keep his body right here, like, in broad daylight for everyone to see. <laughs> like... Palpatine's line here of saying, if one is to understand a great mystery, one must study it from all sides, not just the dogmatic, uh, the dogmatic view of the Jedi. And I actually agree with this point, though we, the audience, know that Palpatine is just saying this to seduce Anakin. I think it's the right, sub no, the right way to approach right. it. That, yeah. Well, that's how education works. You can't just learn from one side. Like, Right. Yeah, and he's right about the way that the Jedi have become, like with their dogmatic view of the Force and everything, but... After Palpatine tells Anakin that the dark side can save Padme from death, 
Anakin realizes that Palpatine is in fact Darth Sidious, the latter of which Palpatine confirms. Anakin ignites his lightsaber and threatens to kill Palpatine, but then decides to expose his deception and identity to the Jedi Council. He is still concerned with saving his wife and believes and believes only Palpatine's knowledge will ensure this. Obi-Wan continues to chase, to chase General Grievous. He catches up with the general and jumps onto his wheel bike. Using Grievous's electro staff, he manages to disable the speeder and it goes into a spin. Both Obi-Wan and Grievous are thrown off of the speeders, topple, and they topple over the edge of Grievous's secret landing platform. Grievous then draws his blaster, though it is knocked from his hands by Obi-Wan, now yielding the Electro Staff. He knocks Grievous down, and a brawl in ensues, during which Kenobi tears open Grievous's chest, place, chest plates, revealing his living organs. Enraged, Grievous repeatedly hits Obi-Wan and then picks up the helpless Jedi and throws him over the edge. Obi-Wan barely manages to hang on and momentarily dangles for his life. As Grievous moves in for the kill, Obi-Wan uses the Force to retrieve the General's blaster and fires at Grievous's exposed organs. He hits, and they burst into flames. With, fl with his eyes flaming, Grievous falls to, the gr uh, falls to the floor, dead. Nothing to say. It, it was so uncivilized. It was. Yeah, no, but... Um, no, it's a great fight, fight scene, though. Like, the entire, like section of the movie is great yeah it is interesting to see obi-wan fight without a lightsaber for a little while um something uh, that like, we, yeah, we may no, see again yeah i was gonna yeah. say i'm like i'm excited for what comes with obi-wan now the mm. tv show and seeing if we get anything similar because that would be interesting interesting especially with where he's at yeah in the series agreed anakin returns to the jedi temple and approaches windu who tells anakin that they have just been informed that Obi-Wan has destroyed General Grievous, and so they are going to to the Senate to ensure that Chancellor Palpatine gives back his emergency powers. Got a chance of him doing that. <laughs> yeah. He is the Senate. Um, <laughs> he is the Senate. Yeah. However, Anakin reveals that Palpatine is a Sith Lord. A Sith Lord? And is not likely to give <laughs> and is not likely to give up his powers. A statement which shocks Windu and stops him dead in his tracks. Anakin confirms what he has just said, and he believes Palpatine to be the one that they are looking for. When Windu asks Anakin how he knows this, what Anakin should have said was, oh, he just told me that he was, but no, he says... He tells Windu that Palpatine knows the ways of the Force, and has been trained to use the dark side, and that he is absolutely sure. Windu says that their worst fears have now been realized, and that if the Jedi Order is to survive, they must move quickly. Anakin warns Windu that Palpatine is very powerful, and they'll need his help to arrest Palpatine. But Windu urges him to stay out of it as he senses much fear in Anakin, and it could, clou could cloud his judgment. Windu also adds that if, if what Anakin says is true, then Anakin will have gained his trust. But for now, he wants Anakin to wait in the council chambers until he returns. Masters Windu, Kit Fisto, Ejin Kolar, and Saiz uh, Teen board a gunship and head to Palpatine's office. They were just the Jedi that were hanging around with Windu to begin. Like, he wasn't like, oh, we're taking everyone. He's like, yeah, just the guys that are here with me right now. Let's go. Mistake. Yeah. Should have grabbed Yoda. Yeah, exactly. 
Another deleted plot was that Windu sent Anakin to the council chambers because upon his return, he was going to make Anakin a master. More tragedy to Anakin's story, but not in the movie. Um, sitting in the council chambers, remembering Padme, uh, remembering Palpatine's promise to, of stopping death and the dreams of Padme dying in childbirth, Anakin ruminates over his decision. In his mind, he hears Palpatine's voice saying that if the Jedi kill him, any chance of saving Padme will be lost. Finally, he leaves and rushes after the four Jedi. Windu and the other three masters arrive at Palpatine's office. Windu declares that Palpatine is under arrest, and the masters ignite their lightsabers. Sidious pulls a lightsaber from his sleeve, which is just a cool move, he just... <laughs> and it's there, and hurls himself at the Jedi with a screeching war cry. <coughs> Shouldn't have done that. Kolar is the first to die, run through the chest, and as Kolar's life is ending due to his wound, Sidious turns and slices Tin's torso. A few seconds later, with some more effort from Sidious, Fisto is slain, killed by a, a slash across the gut. Only Windu remains alone against the Dark Lord. Windu made a mistake here. He brought B-Squad. We didn't need B-Squad. We needed A-Squad. Yeah, you're right. You know what? This is probably like D-Squad, to be straight. We didn't even bring B-Squad. We needed A and B-Squad, and we brought B-Squad. Yeah. Literally, the the only one um, that I knew out of this was... Uh, what's his name? Uh... Uh, Kit Fisto. Yep. Like, he's literally, he's, the other two are just, you know, there. Like, I, I don't know their backstories or anything. I think the one that's kind of demon-y looking is in a couple episodes of Clone Wars, but I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, you're right. He should have, he should have had Yoda. He should have waited for Obi-Wan to get back. Like, he should have brought the Ace. Brought the actual, like, council? Yeah, yeah. Um, but no. Uh, Sidious and Windu continue their fight, dueling fiercely. Um, there's also some... I think there's some backstory about how there are eight lightsaber forms, I believe, and Mace Windu, both Sidious and Mace Windu mastered all eight forms in fighting. Like, that's why Sidious was able to kill the other Jedi Masters real quickly and was fighting Windu. And then Windu also secretly created a ninth form that he never told anyone else about, so that's why he was actually able to overpower Palpatine in their fight eventually. But... Eh, it is what it is. But their uh, their fight continues, and they're dueling fiercely. The fight appears to be even early on, but Windu gradually gains ground, slowly driving the Sith Lord out of the Chancellor's uh, chamber and into the office proper. Shortly after, the two shatter a large glass window. <laughs> a large glass window. Shortly after, the two shatter <laughs> a large glass window... Windu delivers a kick to Sidious, leading to Sidious falling down and losing his lightsaber. Anakin arrives just as Windu holds Sidious at blade point. Windu declares, Sidious, uh, Windu declares Sidious has lost, but the Sith Lord then unleashes a torrent of force lightning. However, Windu deflects it with his blade, casting much of the energy back onto Sidious's body. Sidious becomes hideously deformed. His face becomes deathly pale and sagged. His teeth become yellow and rotten. His fingernails become long and dirty, and his eyes turn burning yellow with blood-red rims. He then ends his assault, claiming that he is too weak to fight on. As Windu is deciding to kill Sidious, Anakin argues that Palpatine must stand trial. 
uh, which I love the the meme that I don't know if I sent this to you, but I saw a meme recently of Anakin saying that he must stand trial and cut to um, what's his name in uh, Obi Wan uh, who plays Uncle Owen. Um, it's him saying the line to Obi-Wan, like, how you trained his father, but it says, you know, he must stand trial, and it cuts to him saying, like, how you let Count Dooku stand trial. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Um, Joel Edgington as Uncle Owen saying, much like you let Count Dooku stand trial, but anyway. Windu, uh, disregards this, stating Sidious's control over the Senate and courts make him too dangerous to be left alive. Anakin is finally forced to choose between the Jedi Order or Padme. As Windu is about to deliver the killing blow, Anakin betrays Windu and cuts off his sword arm. Sidious, uh, cackling with glee, uh, tortures and blasts the shock Windu out of the window, sending him plunging to his death hundreds of stories below. What have I done? Now, but, um, you know, this is the turning point for Anakin, and, uh, pretty stupid of him to do this yep. uh, anakin pledges himself to the sith and palpatine knights him as darth vader vader leads the 501st legion to the temple he and the clones rampage through the temple cutting down every jedi that crosses his path even the younglings hiding out in the council chamber and i wrote a note here saying that yoda senses anakin's fall to the dark side and in the eu when Luke fell to the dark side, Leia felt it. Uh, this happened in a Dark Horse comic, Star Wars Dark Empire, and I'm going to bring that comic up later uh, at, towards the end of the podcast because I think it's relevant, this whole falling to the dark side mm -hmm. and why. And I also wrote a note here saying, so Anakin murders children and then is allowed to go to Jedi heaven because he saves his own son. Probably the biggest criticism of this saga overall i feel yeah yeah like he, he and literally like if luke had just been some other jedi and not his son he would have let palpatine kill him right there and that like he wouldn't have saved him like it it's you know he turns back to the light side because he saves his own son yeah you know he murders children and hundreds of jedi throughout the rest of the years as, as vader but whatever so what i find interesting here is you know he's dubbed darth vader and then like you know, spoilers for Kenobi, I suppose, because we're getting there. But, like, clearly Obi-Wan doesn't know that, like, Vader is Anakin. But, mm -hmm. like, he's already Vader here. And I know this is, like, a very quick, like, things get intense from here. But nobody at any point is like, well, yeah, that's Lord Vader. Like. You mean later on? Like, like later on in the movie. Or, like, even, like, in the ten years, like. There's surely there's people around that know that Vader and Anakin are the same people before, like, it's brought up to Kenobi, like, Obi-Wan in the Kenobi show. Like, yeah. It seems like a weird disconnect that... I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what comic this happens in, um, but there's some... Uh, I'm not going to remember his name. There's some Jedi Padwan who survived uh, Order 66... But he ends up getting captured by the Inquisitors and Vader. And there's clone troopers there too. And he does this cool thing where he imitates Palpatine's voice and says, Execute Order 66. And because the Inquisitors were former Jedi, the clone troopers start attacking the Inquisitors. And like he manages to briefly escape for a moment. And everything. I think Vader kills him later on. But it, um, 
it, it's interesting that throughout this whole thing, like, I, I think we need more about uh, Order 66 because why don't the clone troopers attack Anakin? Like, if they're des- like, was it literally like an order to not kill Anakin but all the other Jedi? Like, was that what Order 66 was? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of weird things that happen here. And again, like, he's dubbed Vader here, so yeah. enough people should know he's Vader, like, going into the end of this movie. Yeah. And, like, even beyond that, that, like, surely Obi-Wan would know Vader and Anakin are the same person down the line. Yeah, it's something... It's, like, a weird... Like, I'm not saying, like, it's definite, but definitely, like, a weird disconnect that, like, should be there. Yeah. Well, I'm trying... Uh, you know, spoilers for Kenobi, because... We've seen the first three episodes at this point. And we're going to do an episode about Kenobi, I think, separately from this. But I'm trying to remember uh, what um, Re- Reva, Reva, whatever her name is, what her line was exactly. Because she calls him Darth Vader first, right? Like she says to Kenobi, Darth Vader sent me or whatever. And then she says Anakin Skywalker is still alive. It's something like Vader, like... It's something like... Vader's looking for Vader's you. Vader's been looking for you. Yeah. It, well, she also says he's looking for you. Yeah. And says, yes, Darth Vader. Oh, you didn't know. Yeah. Anakin Skywalker is alive. Like, the way she implied it was that he <coughs> wouldn't know that that's Vader, but she was also like, he's looking for you. Yeah. The, th- the thing that surprised me about... At, at first I thought, oh, that's stupid because he, if Obi-Wan knows that knows who the Inquisitors are, like, he knows what they're doing, hunting Jedi and everything like that, then he should know who their leader is, like, Darth Vader and everything. But I thought about it more, and I was like, maybe for the first decade or whatever of the Empire, maybe Palpatine didn't use Vader that much. Like, maybe they're setting it up that, like, Vader was just to scare the Imperial officers and everything like that. Like, maybe outside of the Empire, no one really knew about Darth Vader. And post- looking for Kenobi, that's when everyone found out about him. I don't know. Because um, obviously, uh, those poor guys, spoilers for Rogue One, but those poor uh, rebels in the corridor knew who Darth Vader was when they saw him. Um, Very so, interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I do agree more people should know at least who Darth Vader is. Like, like who Darth Vader is. I mean, not that Darth Vader and Anakin are the same person. Um but more people should know who Darth Vader is. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. But we'll talk about it in the Kenobi episode. Palpatine issues Order 66, which commands the clone troopers to kill their commanding Jedi generals across the galaxy, while Vader and a battalion of clone troopers kill the remaining Jedi in the Jedi Temple. Across the galaxy, uh, across the, galaxy the Jedi generals find themselves being betrayed and murdered by their clone troopers. As this happens, Yoda feels everyone who is dying. Yoda is overlooking the ongoing battle as Commander Gree uh, receives his orders. He and his lieutenants attempt to sneak up on Yoda, but the aged master senses their intent and beheads both clone troopers uh, with a slash of his lightsaber. Tarful and Chewbacca help Yoda escape the planet. And if I remember correctly, I have a note here saying if I remember correctly, in the EU, the reason Palpatine... Uh, turned Kashyyyk into a slave planet is because the Wookiees helped Yoda escape. Like he was, mm, that he, would make sense. Yeah, he was so mad about Yoda getting away that he turned Kashyyyk into he blamed all the Wookiees for it and turned it into a slave planet. Senator Bail Organa arrives at the Flaming Temple 
to witness the slaughter of a young Padawan named uh, Zet Jukas. And this was actually Jet Lucas, uh, Jet Lucas, George Lucas's son. And he was slain by a squad of troopers led by Commander Apo. Uh, Organa, horrified, flees the scene and departs Coruscant in an attempt to make contact with any surviving Jedi. Vader then traps... Oh, no, I was going to say, like, I love that we just have to have Bail Organa in here. <laughs> like, mm. that's what this is. Just, yeah. we need the Organas in here. Gotta throw them in here at the end to explain why Leia is with them, you know? Yeah, you know. Um, Vader then travels... Although it doesn't explain why when Luke asks Leia if she remembers her real mother, she gives a description of Padme, even though Leia would have never met Padme, as we'll find yep. out there. But... Eh, it's maybe um maybe she doesn't actually maybe Bail Organa was married twice and she remembers his first wife as her real mother who, mm, and she who knows maybe we'll get more on that but Vader then travels to Mustafar to assassinate the separatist leaders while Pal- while Palpatine declares himself emperor of the galactic senate transforming the republic into a galactic empire and denounces the jedi as traitors Having survived the chaos, Obi-Wan and Yoda return to Coruscant, where Obi-Wan learns of Anakin's turn to the dark side. Yoda instructs Obi-Wan to confront Vader while he faces Palpatine. So I have a note here saying, in both Legends and the current canon, the Jedi Temple on Coruscant was actually built on a former Sith Temple. The Jedi had cleansed the Temple, or believed that they did, but over the millennia that followed, the dark side of the Force began to slowly infect the Temple again. And this is the reason why the Jedi were unable to uh, sense Palpatine's Force abilities and why they had lost their ability to see the future. They were unaware that the dark side had infected the temple again. Hmm, that's where, Yeah, that's where they all live and they fell under the thrall of... Not that they fell to the dark side, but they were clouded by it and they couldn't see the future or anything. Interesting. In a special session of the Galactic Senate, Chancellor Palpatine declares that the, Je- the Jedi enemies of the Republic... And furthermore, that the uh, Republic will now become the Galactic Empire with himself as Emperor. And I put a note here saying that none of the Senators find it suspicious that this Chancellor, whose term limit is long overdue, now declares himself Emperor and denounces the Jedi, who have been defending the Republic for a thousand years. None of them... I mean, true, but (laughs) even if they did, they're not going to be like... They're like, that man's crazy. We just gonna listen to him. Yeah. I guess Bail Organa was the only one who interacted with the Jedi. To be (laughs) fair, he's killing all the Jedi right now, so everybody's probably like, he's killing all the good guys, we gotta just lay low. Yeah, the scary red-eyed man (laughs) with all the clone troopers. Yeah, you know. Maybe Maybe we just listen to him, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you're fair enough. Um, Obi-Wan seeks out Padme to find out Vader's whereabouts and reveals his treachery. Padme then travels to Mustafar, and Obi-Wan stowing, on, stowing away on her ship, or with Obi-Wan stowing away on her ship, and she pleads with Vader to abandon the dark side and leave with her, but he refuses. So I have a note here saying that we do see the one shot of Anakin on Mustafar after killing the Separatists while he's crying, so he does have some remorse for what he's done, but not enough to change his ways or anything. And I don't, but enough to let one tear out. Like, it's a, I don't know. Um, and that something I noticed for the first time while watching this movie, both Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman are using weird half-British accents that they didn't use in the previous film. 
And maybe that's why their daughter, Leia, has a weird half-British accent in A New Hope. <laughs> maybe. I didn't really notice, but... Yeah. Yeah, it, it was when they were talking to each other, I noticed that they were using these, like, certain words that they pronounced, they pronounced it, like, a British way, not an, an American way. And if you watch um, certain scenes of A New Hope, because I think A New Hope was shot well over a year, like, it took a year to shoot it. Mm-hmm. And in certain scenes, Carrie Fisher has a British accent when she's talking to certain characters, but then in other scenes, she doesn't have the British accent. And she didn't use it in the later movies. So it's just like, why does she have this weird British accent for these scenes? It's, it's just strange. And I also have a note here saying that there is an alternate version of the scene where Padme confronts Anakin, where she pulls out a knife in an attempt to stop Anakin from turning to evil. And then he force chokes her. And the scene we got in the movie, he just starts force choking her. <laughs> this makes him seem like a crazy, yeah. crazy baby daddy. Yeah. Um, Seeing Obi-Wan aboard the ship and thinking that they are conspiring to kill him, Vader uses the Force to strangle Padme to to unconsciousness in a blind rage. Obi-Wan then engages Vader in a lightsaber duel that ends with Obi-Wan severing Vader's legs and left arm, leaving him at the bank of a lava flow where Vader is horribly burned. Obi-Wan picks up Vader's lightsaber and leaves him for dead. So, you know, he would have... Obi-Wan just knows that Vader would have wanted Luke to have his lightsaber at some point. I but, guess. So my note here says, uh, this is the film where George Lucas's allegory, or this film was George Lucas's allegory for the Bush administration. Anakin is George W. Bush, the powerful one but an idiot. And Palpatine is J- Dick Cheney, the real powerful one and the actually evil one. And Anakin's line to Obi-Wan, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy was inspired by George W. Bush saying, every nation in every region now has a decision to make. Either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. Like, George saw yeah. what, what George W. George Lucas saw what George W. Bush was doing and was like, mm, don't like this. <laughs> and the Republic handling, uh, handing over all power to the Emperor was a parallel to our own Senate enacting the Patriot Act and giving the President of the United States unprecedented power. My, I, my other note here says it's something that everyone who's discussed this film before has mentioned, but I love the detail of Obi-Wan being on the defense for the entire fight with Anakin, just constantly backing up yeah, and getting... Yeah, because he doesn't the... want to hurt Anakin, necessarily. Well, Anakin's also far more powerful than him. So, that too, like, as well, but, <laughs> like, you know, do you think Obi-Wan really wants to hurt him? Like, no. Yeah, he wants. He does want to save him and everything, but... He wants to disarm and, like, disengage. Yeah. Even though that's not what happens. Uh, no. but, yeah. And instead of just stabbing him in the head once he's, you know, dis- loses his arms and legs, he just leaves him there to burn up in the lava. Like, <laughs> oh well. Because um, Obi-Wan can't take the full hit. Like, he can't do it. No. And my final note for this scene says, uh, 20 years after the release of this movie, the fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan holds up with their choreography and the music. But the special effects look terrible. <laughs> no, well, they do. Nothing looks real. Uh, the lava, the oh, platforms, the planet. Nothing looks real in it. Um, but it is a cool fight scene between the two of them. And the music's awesome. Back on Coruscant, Yoda bat- battles Palpatine until their duel reaches a stalemate. Realizing he cannot defeat Sidious, Yoda flees with Senator Bail Organa and regroup- regroups with Obi-Wan and Padme on the planetoid Polis Massa. And I just, have you ever seen the Star Wars Robot Chicken special? Oh, really? Okay. There's a great sketch where um, 
it, it's the the sketch is Palpatine's in his office and it's after the first Death Star blows up and Vader's mm-hmm. calling him to tell him that the Death Star blew up. But the opening of it is Yoda, or excuse me, is Palpatine regaling his friends that are surrounding him about how he fought Yoda in the Senate. And it's just him going, and then I threw the Senate at him. The whole Senate. <laughs> like, and, yeah, it, it's just a great little sketch that they have. I also wrote down that I never understood why Yoda just gave up fighting Palpatine. Like, if he broke his leg or something when he fell, it would make sense. But he kind of is just like, eh, I can't beat him. Like, I'm just gonna leave. Yeah, like, gotta leave. And there's also a Star Wars comic called Star Wars Infinity, A New Hope. And um, it's an alternate take on... they, They did this whole series, Star Wars Infinities, where they did A New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. And it was, they changed one detail of what happened in the movie... And what would happen. So actually, the detail that they change in the in the A New Hope is that Luke doesn't blow up the Death Star. He fires the shot, it goes in, he doesn't miss, but it just doesn't blow up the Death Star. The death, like, the secret plans didn't actually work. Like, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But eventually, this leads to uh, Yoda commandeers the Death Star. Because, like, they blow up uh, the Rebel base and everything like that. Luke eventually finds Yoda, gets trained by him and stuff. And then Yoda's like, okay, well, we got to get out of here. Come on, time to go. We're going to overthrow the Emperor. And Luke's like, what do you mean? So Luke, I forget what Luke goes and does, but he does something. But Yoda commandeers the Death Star. He arrives on it and takes over it. Um, And then he flies it into Palpatine on Coruscant. He flies the Death Star into Coruscant (laughs) and kills Palpatine and Vader in it. And like, it was, it's just amazing. Like, yeah, Yoda, like, you know. Obi-Wan didn't do anything for 20 years, but neither did Yoda. Yoda was just hanging out on Dagobah, not doing anything for 20 years. Um, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, he also renames it the Justice Star when he takes That's it. That's funny. Yeah, instead of the Death Star. So anyway, uh, Padme gives birth to twins, whom she names Luke and Leia, and soon dies afterward, having lost her will to live, but still believing that there is good in Vader. And I wrote, so probably my biggest criticism I have of this film is that you can't watch the Star Wars movie movies in chronological order because this movie spoils the biggest plot of the original series that Vader is Luke's father and and Leia's. So I I think perhaps an off-screen death of Anakin would have been better. Like if we just didn't see Anakin fall to the dark side and become Vader and everything like but, but then Vader just showed up like I don't know. It, it, like, cause it, I think the thing is is we named him Vader in this movie instead of it just being like Anakin died. Oh, uh, yeah. You're, you're, like, uh, again, yeah. what I was saying, like, I never really thought about the fact that, like, we name Vader in this movie, and yeah. yet everybody acts like we don't know that Anakin and Vader are the same person in other movies, but, like, clearly that's a known point in this movie, that Anakin and Vader are the same person. Yeah. Yeah, you're, that could have worked. But, too. like, if you don't name him Vader, then you could just go... Well, Anakin died, and then you get to, you know, where Luke and being like, and you're like, oh, yeah, Vader and Anakin are the same. Anakin Skywalker's alive. Yeah, like, yeah, you're right. That could have worked much better. Because um, yeah, it could, it could even been. You know, see, I don't know because it couldn't have worked that. Because in the originals, Obi Wan says that Vader uh, betrayed and murdered Anakin. So like, you couldn't have uh, Order sixty six happen. With Anakin doing it, you would have had to have had Vader doing it. So, I don't know. 
But there could have been some better way that you could watch the movies in order without finding out that Anakin and Vader are the same person. Yeah, I think an off-screen death, maybe. I don't know. But Palpatine retrieves a barely alive Vader and takes him to Coruscant, where his mutilated body is treated and covered in a black armored suit. When Vader asks if Padme is is safe, Palpatine says that he killed her out of uh, he killed her out of anger, devastating Vader. And there's a Vader comic that picks up in this scene right after his no, where he starts for- force choking Palpatine, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You told me I could save her. You told me I'd keep her alive. Like I did all this for you." And like he's like going to kill the Emperor, and then the Emperor force lightnings him. And reveals that Vader's suit is weak to force lightning. Mm. And so that's why Vader... like, Because it was something that bothered some fans that, like, you know, he joined the dark side to save his wife. And then his wife died anyway. And then he just kept on the dark side. like. But this was showing that he, could, he couldn't overpower the Emperor. So Obi-Wan and Yoda plan to conceal the twins from the Sith and go into exile until the time is right to challenge the Emperor. As Padme's funeral takes place on her homeworld of Naboo, Palpatine and Vader supervise the construction of the Death Star. Bale takes Leia to his homeworld of Alderaan, where he and his wife adopt her, while Obi-Wan delivers Luke to his step-uncle and aunt, Owen and Beru Lars, on Tatooine, before going into exile to watch over the boy. And I have two final notes here, Um, bringing back up Dark Empire, the one comic I briefly discussed before. Luke discovers that the Emperor has clone has clone bodies, and whenever he dies, his spirit just goes into one of the clones, and that this is an ability that the Sith possess, that they can jump their spirit into other bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, he becomes the Emperor's new apprentice because he wants to learn why his father fell, failed to the, fell to the dark side, and realizes it's because of the Emperor's ability to transfer his spirit into a new body. And that Anakin realized that he would never be able to defeat the Emperor, so he joined him to learn how the bil- his ability worked so that he could eventually overthrow him. It makes sense. Yeah. But that's all I have. Um, I think my only argument here is just, and he never bothered to wonder where the kids were. <laughs> well, they he do... He thinks they're dead, correct? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, um... I forget who mentioned this. I think it was behind the scenes I watched where George Lucas was talking about how they kept padme's pregnant belly yeah like it that's not a real pregnant belly like they put a thing there um to so that if anyone so that vader would think that the kids died when she died yeah that he killed her and he he killed his children too or child because they only thought it was one kids because i I guess they don't have sonograms in the star wars universe (laughs) but whatever also Uh, to go back to our thing about like why you can like have him not be named vader but like you could have Anakin do, like, Order 66, and then when, like, Obi-Wan tells Luke about it, you could just be like, and it's like, oh, you know, yeah, Vader killed your father Anakin. That could just be a story Obi-Wan tells, too, to be like, I don't want you to think bad about your father. Well, that essentially is what, it, like, you know, from from what he told him was true from a certain point of view. You know, <laughs> it's just... Stop! stop. I'm sorry. All right. Terrible joke. Stop saying it. <laughs> Do you want to go into our overall scores or is there anything sure. else? Sure. Okay. So I wrote down that, uh, in my opinion, this is easily the best of the prequel movies and that this was also the first movie that I ever saw a midnight release of. Oh, and good I, work. Yeah. I remember being so excited when I left the theater thinking that this was the best Star Wars movie ever made. 
and having watched this along with the others over many years, my opinion has changed. (laughs) (laughs) The music is flawless, the fight scenes are cool, and I think the political message that George Lucas was trying to give with the movie works. However, the dialogue is still bad, the CGI looks passable at best, and comical at worst. Uh, At worst. I'm going to give Star Wars Revenge of the Sith a 6.5 out of 10. The fight scenes are amazing. The music is great. Uh, I think... I don't know. There's just a lot about the prequel series in general. And while this does better than the other ones, I don't think this really adds anything. And I feel like, you know, what what have we been talking about? Like, things that they took out and things that... All we've been talking about, basically, is like, if they had just done this one little tweak, it would be better. If they just did this one little thing, it would have been better. Like, it's a lot of plot points that don't... That could have been better suited. Yeah. I would give it a 6 out of 10. Alright, fair enough. Well, this has been the Once Again Podcast. Any questions, comments, or critiques can be addressed to our email at onceagainpod at gmail.com. Follow us on our social media accounts, Once Again Pod, all one word, on Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, we have several tiers available on patreon.com slash onceagainpod. As always, a like, follow, or share would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and have a wonderful day. And remember, we will entertain you. We will always entertain you. Rumpelstiltskin always says that magic comes with a price. But for this price, you can get a nice piece of jewelry. Use code ONCEPOD for 10% off your first order at Unusual Magic Jewelry on Etsy. Click the link in the description.